Ontario is now bracing for the dreaded sixth wave of COVID. Yes, you heard that correct. The sixth wave. Will we continue to repeat the exact same mistakes over and over again? Have we learned anything from the past two years? I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the program. So yes, it's been more than two years since we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. Yet here we are in April 2022, and the reaction to another wave of COVID is as if nothing has changed. So many people go back to the same default position that we need masks, we need lockdowns, and we need more vaccines. Nothing has changed despite everything that we've learned over the past two years. So to help me break down the latest in Ontario and to figure out what is going on with the sixth wave of COVID is True North's own Sue Ann Levy. As you know, Sue Ann is an investigative journalist and reporter here at True North. She recently retired after 30 years of investigative reporting with the Toronto Sun and Post Media. She's a two-time investigative award-winning journalist, nine-time winner of Toronto Sun's Reader's Choice Award and for News Writer of the Year. So Sue Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Very welcome. So since the pandemic uh, began, you've been reporting on so many issues that we've had with public health restrictions, with the, the government's default uh, restrictions when it comes to COVID. So many times they are contradictory, they're nonsensical. They'll, re uh, they'll recommend one thing one week and then something totally different um, a week later. So what do you make of this latest sort of fear-mongering that we're seeing over, I suppose, I mean, I don't even know what happened. You know, I thought the fourth wave was Omicron. I don't know what the fifth wave was, but all of a sudden now we're into a sixth wave, apparently. And a lot of people are beating the same drum that we need to restrict and, and, and make some of the same mistakes we've made all along. What do you make of it, Sue Ann? Well, you know, the interesting thing is those who do get COVID, and at this point, if they've had two or three, if they've been boosted like me, then it would be very, very mild, I, I think, in most cases. Um, now they're announcing on social media, and it just is nauseating. They're announcing on social media that they have COVID if, as if they've joined some secret club, you know, some secret cult. And the other thing is, you know, the implication is that now that kids are unmasked in schools, that this is causing this sixth wave. You know, the problem is that you've got all these lefty doctors, these politicians, fearful politicians who listen to the same people over and over and over again. And the lefty doctors don't want to give up their 15 minutes of fame. I hate to sound cynical, but that's what it's all about. It's so interesting because I had a, a, a sort of contrarian minded doctor on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dr. Matt Strauss, and he was very opposed to masking. He, he, he said that there just isn't the data when it comes to the research. It shows that anyone under the age of 50, anyone wearing a cloth mask, these things don't actually help prevent COVID. It's kind of like a security blanket on your face. And yet you, you find so many doctors on the other side saying, yes, we need these precautions. We need these measures, uh, especially for little kids who are at such small, small risk of, of developing any serious illness um, from, from COVID. I mean, you, you wrote a piece about... Um, um, about masks uh, in ki in schools, saying with masking, it's time to leave the kids alone. Uh, what 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 do you, what do you have to say when it comes to the, this idea that little kids have to wear masks? 
Well, some of them have only known masking for the last two years in schools. And, you know, you've got to think about the other side. You've got to think about the social implications, the fact that people can't see each other's faces. You know, maybe adults want to hide behind masks, but they can't see each other's faces. It's very kind of antisocial. And like you said, first of all, there's two things. The risk of young kids, the statistics have proven it, the risk of young kids actually picking up first of all, picking up COVID and then actually getting really sick from it is very low. We know that this has been a disease of the elderly. You know, I've tracked the statistics over the last two years. We've lost an enormous number of people in long-term care homes, enormous number of seniors in retirement homes. This is not a disease or a virus of the young. And the other thing is that, you know, masking them is it's just not good for their mental well, health and well-being. Um, and nobody wants to think about the other side, you know, about the mental issues that have arisen as a result of uh, COVID and the lockdowns and the masking. And you're right, a cloth diaper uh, on your face does not protect you. I mean, for me, I wore it and went along with it because I knew that I had to. And I thought, you know, this is ridiculous, but if everybody else is doing it, and, and it's a mandate, then you have to, as soon as I got down uh, to Florida, off came the mask, because, you know, the other thing is wearing the mask, I think, per, doesn't protect you, it, you know, it doesn't make you immune to other things that are flying in the air. I mean, you're, you're you know, closing up your, your, your nose, your mouth, and, and you're, you're not breathing in things normally, and, you know, I have to wonder about your immunity to everything else. It's so true. My my son goes to a little preschool. He's three years old and he goes to a preschool for two hours in the morning. And they they make the kids wear masks, which just drives me absolutely crazy. But uh, it's funny because the kids all still get sick, right? Like like my son comes home with a runny nose, you know, like half the kids in his class have a runny nose. Like the, the idea that the mask would stop anyone uh from 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 anything i mean it's 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 just it's it to, to to me it's it's unconscionable that they still make kids wear it and for myself i i don't even send my son every day because i don't like the idea that he is wearing a mask i i, I argue with the teachers and the administrators and they say well you know it's not really up to us um it's it's frustrating that they still force kids to do that and 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 to your point you know when when we first what, two, two years ago, when we were first told two weeks to flatten the curve, we didn't really know anything about COVID, right? We just thought, okay, this is a strange virus from China. Let's let's be as precautious as possible. Uh, you know, we, we started to learn the data fairly quickly that 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 the majority of the deaths were coming in long-term care facilities. That um, you know that that that, that little kids didn't. The little kids were basically not at risk of dying from COVID. The the the, the numbers were so minuscule, so small. Um, the the comorbidities or the the underlying conditions that people had with COVID deaths uh, was so stark, and and yet it seems like the the public policy hasn't really adjusted to address that. Sue Ann, it's is you know to your point, you you say that these are lefty doctors and lefty teachers and administrators. Usually people on the left are the ones that care about mental health and 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 these kind of like secondary uh, impacts. And yet when it comes to COVID, they, they don't really focus on, you know, the, 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 the way that little kids aren't able to communicate the potential uh, 
you know, speech impediments or, or communication barriers that can be developed, the long-term impact for mental health on young, on young kids and teenagers. Like, I, I just don't really understand why they're still beating the same drum, why they don't see the broader picture and, and you know, why they're so uh, tunnel vision focused on, on COVID. What, what, why do you think that is? Oh, I think that the fear mongering has created this, as I said in the column for True North, I think it's created this group, this, I don't want to say nation, but certainly a, a select group of people, and I find particularly in Toronto and big city, of a COVID-obsessed hypochondriacs. They think every sniffle, every sneeze, every cough is related to COVID, and it's almost in some ways narcissistic, but they're, they're just fearful. Uh, they parade on social media with their masks on. Uh, they, you know, they're outside with masks. It defies all logic. And I, I think people have just been uh, so indoctrinated by our politicians, so indoctrinated by public health, by lefty doctors, that um, they're just downright fe fearful. And it's a bunch of sheep. They're a bunch of sheep. You know, there was an NDP, um, I guess, rally yesterday in Toronto, and no one could come unless they produced their vaccine cards. It was outside, by the way, um, at the Evergreen Brickworks, which is a lovely place, and it's all, it all outdoors. And they had to wear masks to attend. It was insane. It just defies logic. But you know, they're clinging on. I don't know whether it's, you know, a way of controlling people, uh, intimidating the crowd, but I think people are speaking up and saying enough. I, and, you know, I have had people attack me on social media for suggesting enough is enough. Um, don't you care about health? Don't you care about little children, big children, uh, seniors? I wear a mask around seniors you know what, I lost my dad to COVID. My mom is 88. You think I don't take precautions? It's crazy that everything that's going on now defies all logic. Well, and, and it's such a one-sided way of looking at it. Like, oh, don't you care about kids? It's like, well, don't you care about kids? Don't you want kids to be able to have a free childhood where they don't have to feel so restricted and, and kids growing up with paranoia and fear and adults telling them that that everything could be at risk i mean what i i you know i look at uh the the sort of like you know, we, we talk about gen z and how they're very protected and how they want college speech codes and they need safe spaces and all this kind of stuff um i, I can't imagine what the generation that's growing up now how how, how much you know more like that they're going to be just given that they're growing up in this environment where you know we're told that we have to live in bubbles and that you know everything could potentially kill them it's like what what, what kind of impact is this going to have on um, that next generation? There was a survey that came out over the weekend, Sue Ann, uh, from the Canadian press. They reported on it saying that there was a survey. It was, it was actually conducted by the Canadian Hub for Applied and Social Research from the University of Saskatchewan. And it found that Canadians are more divided than ever. They're completely divided over COVID-19 politics. 40% um, of Canadians said that they have lost uh, contact with a close relative or a friend over disagreement over pandemic politics. Um, that the majority of Canadians, 72%, said that the COVID-19 pandemic and the 2021 federal election were the two most divisive issues um, that 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 they've lived through. And you know, I, I think I think a lot of people are, are seeing this that people are wound up really tight, um, that people are angry, that there's a lot of disagreement. 
you see it play out on social media. You talk about how you were attacked. I, I think a lot of people feel that way. People who are outspoken about either being pro-vax or anti-vax. This, this issue is just dividing Canadians. It's really bad for our country. And yet we keep revisiting it over and over again. It's like, can't, maybe we should just let it go. You know, sixth wave, who cares? Why are we even focusing on it? If, if it's an endemic and so many people have, have either gotten it and had herd immunity or, or developed herd immunity among the population or they're fully vaccinated, like, why, why, why do we even continue to focus on it knowing that it's so divisive? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what your experiences have been and, and why you think that we uh, can't let this issue go, even though we know it's so bad for us. You know, it's fear. And look, I'm triple vaccinated. I'm boosted. And the way I feel is that if you ask me to get a vaccine to protect myself and protect others, then I did it. I, I, I agreed to it. Uh, I've had some lingering side effects, which are, are not fun, but um, I did what I was asked to do. And, you know, now I want to roam freely. I want to live freely, you know, uh, and I think that uh, people keep uh, moving the bar, particularly politicians. And now they're talking about a fourth booster. And I've talked to other people and they said, there's no way they're going to get another booster. I mean, how long are we going to have this push on, be pushed on us? And Candace, I think that was a large part of what the Freedom Convoy was all about, that people have been pushed, they've been isolated, they've been locked down, they've been told how to live their lives for the last two years, and enough is enough. Enough. Look, I think that in our population, those who haven't had COVID, we probably all will have a mild form of COVID at one point. Two weeks ago, I had a terrible, terrible cold. I thought it was COVID. I got tested. No, it was just a cold. It was a really bad cold, um, which I think I picked up at the Trump rally with 12,000 unmasked people. But I was there and roaming free and enjoying my day. Um, but, you know, immediately everybody thinks it's COVID. We had a friend down here from uh, Toronto who didn't want to have dinner with even my wife, because she was exposed to me with my cold, I did not have COVID. So it's just, it's been so ingrained in people that they've lost all sense of, all common sense, all sense of logic. It's funny because during the trucker convoy, I was waiting for the headlines to say, oh, this is going to be a super spreader event because that's what the media has been obsessed with. A anytime there's a conservative minded protest, they focus on super spreaders. Anytime it's a social justice, left wing Black Lives Matter protest, then it's, it's just righteous. But the, the media always focus on it. So I was waiting for those stories and they never came and, and there was never any COVID wave that, that resulted from all of those truckers gathering. I think because everyone kind of knew, okay, first of all, Omicron made everyone a little bit more immune to COVID. And second, they were all outside and the chances of you getting COVID uh, outside are very, very low. But Sue, I, I wanted to ask you, because I know you're, you're down in Florida and you, you mentioned you went to the, the Donald Trump rally there. Uh, t tell me a little bit about the rally and tell me just more broadly about the difference between, because you, you spent most of the pandemic, I believe, in Toronto and Ontario around sort of the covid hypochondriacs as you call them um and, and and then and then the second part in in florida where it's super relaxed and they've kind of moved on and no one even talks about covid no one wears masks anymore so maybe you can comment on the on the differences well the only paranoid people down in florida are new yorkers frankly because they've been so indoctrinated but you know it's interesting when i first came down here i saw a lot of people wearing masks in the grocery stores in costco and in the last two weeks, it's been totally relaxed. You don't see hardly anybody wearing masks. 
we went to a couple theater performances in November and December into January. There were strict rules about wearing masks. We had to show our vaccine cards. None of that anymore. We just went to a play the other day, no masks, no, I mean, there were people wearing masks in the audience, but no, no requirement. Um, nobody talks about it. Uh, I don't see the same kind of signs anywhere. Walk into a grocery store, walk into a regular, you know, store, one of my favorite dress stores, no issues. It's free. It's totally free. And the only time I had to wear a mask was when I was at the Palm Beach airport yesterday. That was a federal requirement. Uh, at the Trump rally, there were 12,000 people, 12,000, I could not believe in Fort Lauderdale, packing this arena. Almost every stand was full. They waited the entire day to hear Donald Trump after a succession of speakers. We were there from 11.30 on and he didn't speak till about six o'clock. So it was- oh, Wow, who, who, who else was there? What other speakers did you hear from? Candace Owens spoke and um, Donald Trump Jr. spoke and Dan Bongino spoke. Uh, very, very interesting group of speakers. Um, and uh, like I said, people waited and waited to hear him and he didn't disappoint. Uh, and might I add, no one was wearing masks at all. All 12,000 people that I estimated were there. Nobody was wearing masks. And so what was the, what was the purpose of the rally? Is he, is he running for president or what, what, what was the, what was the kind of, you know, rationale behind having this big rally here in Florida? He's been doing a series of them. He's done one in South Carolina. He did one in Michigan the other night. He's doing one in, I believe, Georgia. I've been, I'm, I'm on his list now. So I, you know, I get requests to buy doormats and hats and all kinds of stuff and notices about his rallies. Um, but he's, he's doing a series and I think he's testing the waters to run. He's raising money. Um, frankly, I think a better choice would be if, you asked me, Ron DeSantis, uh, there's some talk about him running and the next election. I think he's a kinder, gentler Trump, but he's tough and he puts his foot down and I really respect the guy. This is the governor of Florida, of course. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I, I I do know that some people in Florida don't want to see him go. They they say, you know, stop stop talking about Ron DeSantos for for president because he's doing such a good job here in Florida that we don't want to lose him because if without him, you know, we'll have some other uh, either a Republican that doesn't have the spine that DeSantis has or some awful Democrat that's going to bring in all the same kind of roles that we've had in Ontario and 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 other sort of blue states. Um, in the U.S. Well, uh, that's that's really interesting. And uh, I know you reported from that rally. So I encourage viewers to go go check that out because it's really definitely interesting. And uh, Sue Ann, you're keeping your finger on the pulse. I, I did have a final question for you. You mentioned that you were down at the airport yesterday. I know they're federally regulated. And I know that, that there's some push from airlines to get the Biden administration to drop the mask mandate. But uh, more interesting than the mask mandate was who you bumped into at the uh, local airport there in Palm Beach, Florida. So why don't you tell us about that? Well, uh, I didn't exactly bump into him. I saw him. He was trying to hide from me, was Mayor John Tory. Um, he has a home down here. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say that uh, he has every right to travel. But I'm going to give the proviso that that very morning, yesterday morning, he posted something on Twitter uh, that made it seem like he was in his office in Toronto. It was about the Raptors. So it's the whole thing again, like sneaking down to Florida, pretending you're not there, you know, just be open about it, be honest. 
Um, and I'm sure this isn't the first time he's come down. And it was just, you know, it was so hypocritical. You know, you know about politicians and they pretend they're not traveling, but they are. And uh, I don't think he was very happy to see that I saw him. And the reason I was at the gate is that Air Canada didn't have anybody to wheel my mom to the gate. So I got a special pass. So he probably rude the day that I actually got the special pass to come to the gate. <laughs> well, maybe maybe he called the security on you and maybe that was the reason they thought you were a security threat because he, he was probably like, get this reporter out of here before she blows my cover. <laughs> well, no, it, it is interesting because I know there's no, there's no travel ban right now and there's no lockdowns happening right now but but the same type of people who encourage you to be you know encourage the public and 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 lecture us and tell us to be hyper careful and and to avoid contact and and to not kind of go out there and live our lives you know they turn around in their personal life they go down to their mansion in florida and and have a time with their family and do frankly whatever they want and there's sort of this this opinion because i saw your tweet and i saw a lot of the reaction that People were angry that he was doing that, which, you know, politicians have every right to travel and they have every right to uh, go on vacation just like the rest of us. But but the, the, the issue is is sort of the double standard and the idea that they're allowed to lecture us and tell us what to do. And then in their personal life, they just kind of go and, and do whatever you want. What, what did you think about the reaction to your to your story there? To your I thought it was, you know, very predictable and very, you know, in sync with I mean, politicians are not very connected with the average person these days, and John Tory is no exception, uh, or how the average person feels. But here's a man who's pushing his vaccine ride clinics, things on the TTC, vaccine read. He's got clinics in libraries. I'm beginning to wonder if he's going to have them on the golf courses, because the golf courses just opened in Toronto. I mean, he's ramming uh, vaccinations down people's throats, five to 11-year-olds, which I think is totally wrong. Uh, he's talking about taking precautions. I see him at photo ops with masks on inside. You know, it's just bizarre. So it's like left brain, right brain, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, you, you preach this. And, and he was one of the most draconian lockdown mayors in all of Canada. Uh, poor Toronto has suffered tremendously. And, you know, then you see him standing at the airport. <laughs> you know, with his little mask on because it's Palm Beach Airport. What did he think people were, how they were going to react? I was actually shocked to see him in line. How did he think people were going to react? Well, he probably just assumed that no one would, uh, no one would see him. But it's interesting to see the sort of populist reaction to a lot of these politicians. Like, I, I mean, I think that the, 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 the worst, the, the politician who's the first to get ousted was Aaron O'Toole for the Conservatives. And I just remember when the truckers came to Ottawa and he he originally didn't want to meet with them and he, he was sort of didn't want to be associated with the, the populism. Um, he came out with his own uh, trucker uh, policy, what he would do alternatively to uh, what Trudeau's doing with the with the border ban. And his his proposition was to have vaccine clinics at truck stops. And that was supposedly going to going to fix this whole issue, which totally misunderstands the whole purpose of why the truck, the truckers weren't protesting because they didn't have access to vaccines. They were protesting because they didn't want to have the mandate, right? And the idea that some politician would say, oh, it's okay, we'll just bring them, we'll bring the vaccines to you, which just totally shows how little some of these politicians really grasp the issues of the people in front of no, them. They don't. And listen, I, I, I would dearly love to find out how many people have actually shown up to those clinics. They are a huge drain on resources. And I would bet you 
that the, the probably a handful of people have come and gotten vax. People are just, it's over. People have had enough. And like Toronto's no exception, whatever place you're talking about. They've had enough, enough with the clinics, enough with the masking indoors to virtue signal, you know, it's crazy. I think that's a perfect uh, way to end it, Sue Ann. It's a perfect note to end it. Just let it let it end. Let it be over. We're, we're done with it. Let, let us move on with our lives. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Sue Ann. Always great to have you on the show. It's Sue Ann Levy with True North. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.